We acknowledge ourselves, the Kaptoga Vigamute. We are the people of this island and of the mountains and the lands around us. Welcome to the Poetry Magazine podcast. I'm guest editor Esther Boleyn. I'm thrilled to welcome listeners to this conversation with Allison Nukachuk Warden, an interdisciplinary artist from the Alaskan native village of Tovik. Her poem, We Acknowledge Ourselves, opens the Land Acknowledgement's special issue of Poetry Magazine. I could not have found a more fitting poem that acknowledges original habitants, the historical and current situations connecting them to the land, settlers, and foreign governments. The poem presents an opportunity to restore, celebrate, heal, and grieve. We discuss our thoughts about the practice of acknowledging land before events, as well as Allison's incredibly collaborative writing process. Here's Allison. We've been here since time immemorial, I like to say. My village of Kaktovik is 350 people around that. I would say I'm trained as a storyteller. I know that my biological grandmother, I would call her a performance artist, So if we go back to when I was around eight years old, it's a crowded gym. And I remember seeing my biological grandmother, who's the sister of the grandmother that raised me. I remember her and her atikluk, which is our traditional dress, and was some kind of mask. And she was working the whole crowd, making them all laugh. I remember her having no fear being completely bold with super bright, bold colors on her traditional clothing, doing something outrageous with her body and with sound to make the whole gym laugh. And I was sitting in the gym bleachers myself. And next to me was her sister, my grandmother, saying, you're like her. You're a storyteller, too. You're going to be like her. Taipanalu, Kaktovera Mirunga, Asi Fairbanks Mirunga. I'm Allison Akuchuk Warden. I'm Inupiak. I'm tribal member of the native village of Kaktovik, and I was born and raised here in Fairbanks, where I live currently. And the poem is called We Acknowledge Ourselves. Before we bring this meeting to order, we want to acknowledge ourselves, the Kaktovigamute. Yes, Saloon, this is how they are doing things nowadays. We are doing it right. We acknowledge ourselves, the Kaktovigamute. We are the people of this island and of the mountains and the lands around us, and all our traditional hunting areas. Since before the military came, and bulldozed our old sod houses, our entire village, so they could make a runway, and yes, we are still angry about that. And we are still wanting reparations for what they did. They finally did take that hanger down, and it looks better without... The poem, I wrote it from a place of... We just came from a meeting in Anchorage, and they did a land acknowledgement. This is new. Let's try to do one up here. And so how would we do that? 
And when I was talking to my cousin, who I see as the tribal chief, and he actually works for the native village of Koktovik, he said, actually, we did go to a meeting and a land acknowledgement was done. And he had a lot of you know feelings around it. <laughs> and he thought that my poem captured his feelings around it. Um, I had already been in a habit with everything that I do to be in conversation with an elder, at least one elder, so that I could make sure that I was doing good for the culture and <laughs> not on some kind of thing that, that doesn't represent us. I love hearing that it was a tribal effort, that this really came from the people who represent the land and the region. What kind of gave you that idea or how did that unravel into asking other folks to help with some of the things? I think it's a natural outgrowth of who I am as an artist. I was lucky because I had my own elder for a long time, my mom. And so I lost my mom. It's gonna, It's just become two years. So I, I feel like I'm fully through my grief, but it was a huge loss. The gift of living with my mom and having such a close relationship is that she was that rock of cultural knowledge and support. And if I have an idea, I can immediately kind of throw it towards her and she could say, oh yeah, that's totally in alignment with who we are. Or if it's totally like, that is way not who we are. I don't know where you came up with that one, but that's not in alignment with our values or our culture or anything. So, but for this poem, I wanted to make sure that I was not forgetting anything that I was misrepresenting who we are or where we are at this moment in time. What was lost in the Nuna on that day? What they did was wrong. And we are still here. And even though the military still today has that huge other hangar on the other side with that military man who lives in there that we have never met and the other that relieves him every three weeks or so. We were here before. They put those big humongous radar ears up and then took them down. And yes, they left many barrels and still never got all of them. We want all their residue to be off our island forever. had an elder listen outside bingo and I was like look can I read this to you guys and so they listened to the whole thing which is kind of long and then the elder agreed with everything felt really good about it except he wanted me to add one line and that was around there being a lack of listening with the young people and that they need to remember to listen more out of everything that he heard that was the only thing he wanted to be put in there and I was like thank you that was an easy fix. When I read it, I could tell that they were like, it feels good to hear this. You know, it, it feels good to hear our story being told in this way. So I'm very thankful that I have that kind of support. And then when my cousin came into town, he wanted to read it on his own. He didn't want me to read it out loud. So he read it and processed it. And then he took a pen and started like, oh, and this too, and this too. But at this point, I said, I don't think I can make that many changes at this point. It had already been accepted and you were just waiting for 
a few minor tweaks. So I was like, I think I could change one word. Let's just go for that. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, is it still going to be good if I only change this one word? And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Because, you know, there was just a little bit more details and some of the things that we went through, have gone through as a village that he wanted to add, but it's perfect. He said it's fine on its own the way it is. So I didn't, I wasn't too far off base. And also he was like, this is how I felt. This is what I was feeling. And then you put it in a poem. This is what I felt after mm. I came from that land acknowledgement. So that was nice. That was a good affirmation too. Yeah, I, I feel like it also represented the acknowledgement and the history that we carry as Indigenous people when we speak or when we present publicly. And that was the touching part of it. You know, some things that I found in there were humor and, you know, tribal history and personal history. And you're right, it is long, but it's it in contrast to land acknowledgements that you hear in public spaces, which tend to be, you know, I'd say 30 seconds to maybe a minute. This one was so thorough and I think it was refreshing. And I'm, I'm hoping that it will be refreshing to people listening in to know that, you know, we support these ideas, but the history of the complexity around land and unceded land and, you know, tribes that had a presence there that might not have a presence there anymore is very complex. And in order to really present that, you know, a, a full lens, you really do need that community effort. And and so that makes me even more excited about the poem, that you really took that intent back and said, here, I want to offer this to the world, and I want to make sure that I'm doing it in the proper way. Yes. And the scary part of doing that is they could say, how dare you say this? Or you're totally wrong. I'm going to fight you on this. Or, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, like, or that they'll want to like you can't put this out there you know this is something that you know so there's there's you know like oh, I'm taking my precious piece of writing that I've massaged and worked on and you know thought of and mm -hmm. and then I'm giving it over to people from the tribe that do really hard work in totally different areas and they could just shut it down and mm -hmm. instead of doing that they took it and made it better and lifted it up even more. So that's the risk in, you know, when you st share something and, you know, give it back to the community for them to tweak, that they could reject it and then it would have been a different story. But thankfully, through three different people, they were like, this is good. You're on the right page. So I think it's worth a risk. We were here before. The government started drawing arbitrary lines, encasing us into this wildlife refuge without our full knowledge or consent. We're strangers break into our cabins on our own land, up in the mountains each and every year, no matter how many signs we put or what kind of locks we use. 
And because of these borders not our own, we cannot hunt the way our relatives in other villages hunt. We have more restrictions and regulations than the others, yet we are still able to get the food we need around the land we care for and know. E. We are still fighting these arbitrary borders and lines today. Thank you, Ikuan. And also, thank you, Analuk, for those letters you put out. They needed to see that. And all of us fighting for our ways of life, and as we continue to fight, even in this strange language, we had to learn to fight them with. We acknowledge our elders that are still on this land and our ancestors, buried just over there and over there too, and our own people who are still living here, especially the little ones like Ukumailak here, and all our future relatives yet to be born. So storytelling throughout this poem, it's really the story of who we remember ourselves to be before all of this stuff happened in a really rapid succession. I call it uh, rapid colonization. Mm -hmm. And how we still are the people before all these things happened. (laughs) Before this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Mm -hmm. We're still the people before all those things happened. We're still those timeless time immemorial people that still hold these old stories. We still remember the old songs. We still mm-hmm. are in relationship to the animals in the same way. It's a continuum of who we are. And by going all the way back in this land acknowledgement to the time before the time before, you know, before these things started to happen in rapid succession, it realigns us into our power and reminds us that those are just temporal. They're not central to who we are. It's something that we took in and are still processing and, and dealing with. Yet who we are is, is bigger and older and a bigger, older story than all of that. So it takes the power away from the colonizing forces and brings it back into our perspectives as indigenous people and our relationship to the land, which has been since time immemorial, and and shifts the power back to where it's always been. So that, you know, the big the story of this happened, this happened, this happened doesn't become bigger than who we were before they arrived and who we continue to be, even with all that stuff that we mm-hmm. have to. All those layers, layers of contact. Oh, yeah. I I feel like that was one of the most beautiful things about the poem was that it was hopeful. It wasn't at all a vengeful tone. And I feel like that's just an amazing perspective that many tribes have. You know, they acknowledged this horrible past and continued horrible uh, detrimental legislation that's going on. But yet they're, you know, they also acknowledge at the same time, but we're still here. 
and and we're still continuing in our culture we're still continuing in our language and we're also like you as an example we're taking those risks right to be interdisciplinary artists to bridge our traditional viewpoints with things that are happening. And and the other thing I think that was really neat about this poem is the idea of in the moment, because I, I love where there's these turns in the poem where all of a sudden you acknowledge like, oh, and so-and-so just joined the meeting and, oh, let's not forget about this. Yeah. And so it really had that community feel because I think those are indigenous poetics because I feel like if, if you sent it to a different place or if this is a poem that you maybe, you know, had in a poetry workshop, they might have said, oh, take those out. Take the, take that part out. That's that's yeah. distracting. Right. Yeah. Well, the, I, I was writing it from a perspective of someone like my cousin who did have this experience. He went to Anchorage for a meeting and he did exactly, (laughs) I didn't know this until after he had read the poem. I was writing, imagining my cousin going to a meeting and him listening to a land acknowledgement and then him wanting to bring that new technology of land acknowledgement back to the village to share what they're doing in the bigger cities. He was a character in my mind how would he do a land acknowledgement on our own land? Mm. (laughs) And it would start at a meeting and people might not be listening. So he might have to reiterate his main points to make sure that they got it. (laughs) The people who came in on the meeting later on, those are people who might normally be late to a meeting. It's, um, you know, in my village, those are a name that people would, if they read it, they would be like, oh, yeah, that person would probably say something or that person would probably be late. I wanted my own people, when they heard it, to feel like they were home and that they could automatically picture the scene in the community hall with the door prizes and the tables and the chairs and the kids running around, that they would immediately be anchored and that it was almost like a transcript of how this first attempt at a land acknowledgement from our perspective would happen. It, it wouldn't happen perfectly. It would be interrupted. You would be corrected in the moment <laughs> by your uncles. They would say, oh, don't forget this. And then you'd have to say, thank you. Yes, I remember that. Okay, thank you. Yes, you're right. We're doing this wrong a little bit, but we're going to keep going with it. We're almost done. (laughs) And so (laughs) I wanted people from my village to feel like it felt like, you know, a snippet of what it's like to be there. I hadn't heard a land acknowledgement from people on their own land done in a way that felt natural to them. I've only heard it from people not of that culture, acknowledging the people of the land in a place that they're not originally from. One of the reasons why I think it's important to have these discussions is I would like people to, whether they're Indigenous or not, but be able to have that connection with the land that they're on, 
right? Whether it's a, a foreign soil or whether it's a fractured connection or there, there was violence there. I, I think acknowledging that history back and seeing your connection to it is a powerful thing. And I, I feel like when people are able to do that and to really, you know, take time to discover what their connection is to the place that they're living, that's empowering. We, the Kaktoga Vigamute, remember how we have always been whole. Nakurugut. We are good. We have always been good, living here in the ways taught to us by our elders and our elders, elders, elders. And even though there were two waves of diseases that we didn't know how to fight naturally, we lost many of our people. Yet many of us survived those waves. And since we are talking about these things in a community hall meeting, might as well mention the alcohol that came to kill us and the cancers that we can guess where those came from too and the fog of smoke and cock that has stayed and lingered. And I know that we aren't used to acknowledging ourselves. But when me and Fanny went to the big meeting in Anchorage, they did one of these land acknowledgements. So apparently everyone is starting to remember. I can't remember exactly when I became aware of land acknowledgements before events. But when I saw that happening as part of public spaces, I didn't really know how to interpret it because I didn't know if this was a new trend to tokenize or legitimize all of that history. I was unclear as to the the true intent. I, I wasn't sure if it actually did more damage by oversimplifying the history and creating offense to people who may be in the audience where it did not acknowledge things that they felt needed to be acknowledged about the land. Like, what if that was your family? You know, what if you are on land that was unseated and you know the history, like a massacre just happened down the road, right? And now it, it's uncovered and revealed, but in a very, almost in a 30-second soundbite. So I, I think a lot of those feelings of uncertainty, a little bit of fear, a little bit of tokenism, circulated around this this newer practice that I, I'd say I became aware of maybe about a couple of years ago. Do you have any thoughts around that or share similar feelings? It can be disarming. I have a friend. She's a white artist. She's a white person who's an artist. <laughs> she's a lovely friend. We're pen pals. She's almost translucent. She's a beautiful <laughs> with, with white you know, she's just this uh, 
beautiful, amazing art maker, community person, and I have a lot of respect for her work. She works at the Anchorage Museum, which is one of our large art institutions here, and she is often tasked with doing the land acknowledgement. And she's from somewhere far away, like Boston or something. And she moved to Alaska and she's making a home here. And so then I'm sitting in a workshop where she's leading it, you know, for different artists that have received grants and where the museum is doing some kind of thing for all of us. And she's leading it with other people. And she starts with this land acknowledgement. And it almost becomes a performance in itself about the way that she holds the space for these for the people and the pauses that she uses it's almost like she could be brought to tears at any moment about you know reciting this complex history from her perspective as a settler person who came and has moved here and i know her and i know that she's done a lot of research she's very research focused as many artists are and it can be a little disarming to hear it from her <laughs> to talk about the, the issues that have happened on the land that's not even my own or doesn't belong to my own people. Is the performance of that enough? Is it deep enough? What is she backing it up with? What is the museum backing it up with with each land acknowledgement? Are they do they also have a fund to give land back to the indigenous people? Do they have I would almost want to hear, we acknowledge this and we're doing this, this, and this programs from the museum to support Native emerging mm -hmm. artists or to support tribal entities. We give X money and dollars to them a year. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the more interesting part for me is if they also acknowledged how they're putting this um, acknowledgement into practice. You know, the Anchorage Museum is a huge supporter of me and my work. So I know that they they also have had exhibits of, you know, they had a huge exhibit from the people's perspective of the land that they're on. So I know that they are doing the tougher work, but I wouldn't know it if I had just popped in there and didn't have this ongoing relationship with them. I think the, the alternative of what it was before is that there was no land acknowledgement. There was no acknowledgement that there were Native people here, that there's still Native people here. Or <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think it's a problematic new practice mm -hmm. that brings up lots of feelings and needs help. It needs help. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's there's a performative aspect that cannot feel good to Native people in the audience. <laughs> I could feel surreal. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be good if a person of the land was there also, especially for a big conference. I think if they could just speak for themselves and open the conference from their perspective, I think that's better than a person like my friend who's fairly new to the region. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think there's a variety of ways to do it. I, I do think you raised some interesting points around the performative and static way that I've seen them read. And for folks who 
are designated to be part of that process because it's their job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's a, a different kind of burden, but I, I love some of the language that you used around land acknowledgement practices, because ultimately we're acknowledging the place, but it always goes back to the people. Yes. So, yeah, I think we're in agreement around the complexity of it and also understanding the movement behind it in that if it wasn't there, then we wouldn't actually acknowledge that and it would be silent, that history would be erased. But I definitely think we can make it more of a revitalization of the people rather than just a statement. Yes. And I always want to ask, did they talk to the people and say, <laughs> do you want to be acknowledged? Because maybe some people don't want to be part of it. Like every meeting that you have, we don't want you to say we're on the thing of this land and, you know, and we acknowledge this and this. So, or maybe taking your draft and running it through the tribe and saying, this is what we're going to say at the beginning of all our meetings. What do you think? Because there's a fear of building that relationship with Native communities. And I've talked to a lot of other Native artists about this because bringing a Native artist into an institution to do work with communities brings up all these issues of like, actually, no, we've been here 50 years and we've never talked to the Native people of this land or, and that can be very hard as an organization to have that reflected back on themselves and hard to start a relationship that hasn't been started when they should have, could have mm -hmm. done it years and years and years ago. So it's like a, a delicate process now to, you know, like, okay, now we're going to change how we operate as an institution in relationship to the indigenous people of this land. You know, so when it starts to become a conversation with actual Indigenous people of the land, then it can get messy and awkward and uncomfortable. And there's then it becomes a power dynamic into it, too, of like this big, huge cultural art organization that has millions of dollars a year. If you look at their track record, then it looks, you know, this little tiny bit of money has gone to Native programming or this. And so it can be like an awkward thing that's not easy mm -hmm. to fix right away. <laughs> so I just want to encourage art organizations to continue to do the work mm -hmm. and to acknowledge that it's not easy to start to do things that could have been done hundreds of years ago, but we need to start somewhere. And I, that's what I see land acknowledgements as a mm -hmm. baby step towards being in right relationship to the people of the area. I love that thought. And I also like the idea too, in that it really is okay to say, this is a working draft. Yes. You know, we want to acknowledge this, but we're still working to get it right, to make sure that we're honoring. And that reminds me of kind of just what you did, right? You're working on this and you're like, it is a working draft, but I need to make sure, right? And and so following that step, it's like you already did the step. So I think that's a good model. Yeah. And I think I'll, because I'm friends with this young woman that does these land acknowledgements, uh -huh. I really want to ask her, I would love to hear her like 
just kind of, if it's going to be a performance, then fall apart in front of all of us and, you know, <laughs> cry about how you didn't, you know, didn't know what to look for. Like, tell me about the process mm-hmm. of how you got to this beautiful 30 second thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, make it two minutes and let the first minute and a half be about you know, more in depth around your process around it, because I know that she had to have struggled to make this beautiful mm-hmm. short snippet. That's more interesting to me to hear that also. So <laughs> the object shouldn't be this perfect little boom, we did it. But it also needs to show that it's a conversation with community and they're going to get it wrong. And that's okay. Everybody knows you're going to get it yes. wrong. it's okay it's really interesting when you get it wrong because it's interesting to watch and to witness and then we move forward from there interesting but not bad because it's a part of the process everyone is starting to remember and we remember too how to acknowledge one another and how we remember our relatives and how we are related. We remembered how to sing and dance and how to take care of the land. Because we need to acknowledge our young people too, even the ones who are pretending they don't understand or can't talk yet. We know you are paying attention. Yet we also want to say the young ones have been having a lack of listening and they need to fix that right now. Oh, and of course, our relationship to the animals, the akavik, the tutu, the fish, the nanuk, the kavik, oh yes, and the ivik, and the beluga whale. And I know I am forgetting some animals. Thank you, Okpik. And we were here before the tourists started to travel here to see our polar bears without giving back to the community. And yes, we are starting to regulate those tourists too, as a community working together. Yes, the amokok. And I know we have too many animals to mention right now, and we need to get started with these door prices soon. Let me say one more time, because I see Michael just came in the door. We, the Kaktogavigamut, acknowledge ourselves, sovereign here on our own land, sovereign here forevermore, despite all of these other ways in which they thought they could make us forget or think we were broken. We are whole and good. And we remember all of it. An unbroken line going all the way, all the way, all the way back. From the time before, the time before. Nakurugut! We are the Kaktogavigamut, the original people of this place. We have never ceded our lands. We always remember our long, long long ago ways that we are living even today. And even though we are thankful for many modern tools that we put to use in the ways that our elders agree with, the outsider's ways are not our ways. We belong here and on the mountains and all the places near that we travel for food and on the ocean. We remember who we are. Today and forevermore, we acknowledge ourselves in our power as Inupiak. Aula yaik si marugut kakdokavikamut tavra.
Now, Alasurak will draw the first prize because I believe he is our oldest elder here. We will draw a couple few more door prizes now at the start and then the rest at the end of the meeting. I know we have a lot to talk about. A big thanks to Allison Nuktuk Warden. Warden is an installation artist and poet who spoke with us from Anchorage, Alaska. She is a tribal member of the native village of Katovic. You can read We Acknowledge Ourselves by Warden in the July-August 2022 issue of Poetry, in print and online. If you're not yet a subscriber of Poetry Magazine, there's a special rate for podcast listeners. For a limited time, you can get a full year of the magazine for $20. That's 11 book-length issues for just $20. Visit poetrymagazine.org slash podcast offer to subscribe. That's poetrymagazine.org slash podcast offer. This show is produced by Rachel James. The music in this episode came from Reservoir, Alabaster de Plume, John McCowan, Ramazurik, and Irreversible Entanglements. Okay, that's it. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>